ready. We're ready. Welcome to Geeks with Kids, your bi-weekly geeky podcast from a parenting point of view. I'm one of your hosts, Steve, uh, and joining me this week is Hawk. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Hey. So, um, with Predator being out in theaters, we were talking, and uh, the discussion kind of ended up being about uh, these uh, movies that all came out uh, around in the 80s, and then we realized, wow, there's a, there's a whole slew of movies with sequels that are coming out a good two, three decades after the original, and, uh, and we thought uh, that might be an interesting topic. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're living in the area of nostalgia, although, uh, you know, I guess there's always been a little bit of that. I mean, remember how, like, in the 90s, they had, like, the Flintstone movies and Brady yeah. Bunch movies, and <laughs> they were turning all these television shows into films. It was really weird. The Munsters, the Addams Family. Wait, was there a Munsters movie? There was not. Ad- they didn't do the Munsters. No, they did the Addams Family, and they did it actually very successfully in the mm-hmm. stuff. For actually both both parts of it, uh, the, yeah. the yeah the uh, sequel and that is actually quite good. Yeah, Raul Julia, man, he's so good. Right. Um, yeah, no, those are actually really good movies. It's sort of a that was a that was a weird time when television regained its life as movies. Which, yeah, especially especially since a lot of those television shows had have been gone for so long that I it, it's kind of like when this has been an aside because we're off topic now, but already, but like when they did like that chips movie recently, mm-hmm. like that is, they should have done that back when they were doing the Flintstones, you know, in the eighties and the nineties, right? Like, why would you do chips now? Like that show has been off the air for 40, 40 years at least. Yeah. And it's sure. not, a, it's not a movie. It's not a series like the Flintstones and that that's kind of lived on past its, past its date and that through constant reruns. Not uh, chips has kind of came and went, and that uh, I, you know, like I can't even remember the last time I, I'd, I'd seen an episode since <laughs> it probably the original airings of it back in the eighties. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, no, I, I can barely remember the show. I know I did watch it as a child, but I didn't really understand it. It was just, it was just on, you know. Right. So I have no memories of it at all. Yeah. But that was and, the era, the era of the cop shows, and that the teacher yeah. occurs, and that you know the hero cop, and that, and so like Highway Patrol. Yeah, like I think I think it's possible that could be reworked as a as a decent uh, a television show now. I mean, they've got um, Magnum PI has finally come back, which I thought was kind of it has, yeah. Mm. And then of course, a uh, uh, Hawaii Five O, which is even older than Chips, uh, has been doing fairly well in television for a few years. You know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that one was what successful in, in its rerun format. And that, um... It's very different, of course, now though. Boy, oh, like fun. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a completely different uh, style of show. Well, getting back on point, though, um, as I was saying, we're living in an era of nostalgia, of sequels, remakes, and reboots. And uh, I thought we'd maybe save uh, remakes and reboots for another time. Um, but, uh, you know, it's easy to be very cynical about some of the movies coming out. And uh, I'm the only one who's seen The Predator so far, the current film. And uh, I don't even really want to talk about it because uh, I, I, I didn't care for it, but it I, I, I'm not even that angry, you know, like it's just the concepts kind of kind of been worn down at this point. So <laughs> that's all I have to say about it. But but it got us thinking, have there been good ones that have come out? And actually, I think there is an argument for some that that uh, after many years, uh, a sequel came out that was actually kind of neat. So to start things off, we're going to talk about Blade Runner. Um, the original film came out in 1982. And it was directed by Ridley Scott, a groundbreaking film because uh, of, I think, the scale in which it was shot. I think that's that's a big part of it. I mean, they, they hired uh, an artist who just 
he's this visionary artist who just create landscapes and cityscapes like and and really scott really went to great lengths to recreate that vision and i think it made a a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, they also took uh, people might not know this because uh, you know they used to use uh, movie lots a lot more um, uh, back then. But uh, the sets were actually old film noir sets that they converted into the dystopia of. Oh, and this is kind of funny. 2019 Los Angeles <laughs> is when the first Blade Runner takes place. So uh, next time you go to Los Angeles next year, look for those uh, flaming, you know, uh, pipes, you know, with all those, those spurts of fire that go into the sky. Smoke sacks just expelling. Yeah. That's interesting <laughs> that it, because like, you know, the, the movie was such a kind of departure from the novel on that and really kind of focused it more on a, a gritty noir detective uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, versus like, you know, the concepts of, you know, reality and religion and, you know, what it means to be real. Yes. Uh, and, you know, that was explored in the book, you know. I think it did a good job of exploring, the, you know, the concepts of what it is to be human in the movie and that. Uh, but, it, you know, the movie was uh, quite a vast departure from the original uh, novel it was based on by Philip K. Dick. Yeah, uh, the book, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Um, yeah, now I'm actually not as familiar with the book. So um, what aspects of the book did actually translate, in your opinion, fairly well? Um, basically, let's see. Uh, the concepts of the replicants. Well, what translated well? They were very different because the replicants in the book were, were very different from the ones in the movie. Um, they, uh, in the novel, they had a, had a plan to bring down, uh, the, the dominant religion of the time, which, which is, which we call Mercerism. Uh, and Mercerism was based around like a grainy video, uh, of a man named Mercer in that, who was, uh, you see him being pelted by rocks and that, Hmm. um, in some kind of an an act of like, you know, self-sacrifice, you know? Um, and it was a dominant religion in that they created these boxes that people could, you know, kind of interact with this, you know, with this video image of him and that, uh, sort of like a VR religion. Wow. So, yeah. Mercerism. Huh. Yeah. That's uh, an interesting concept that that would still be really worth exploring now, you know, like if that was brought back in some fashion, you know, anyway, go, go ahead. Yeah. Um, the replicants were very different in that. Uh, I remember there was a the scene at the, towards the end of the novel in that where you, uh, a few of them were uh, basically playing around with an insect in that in this cruel manner uh, that, you know, kind of showed their, this lack that, you know, that really kind of emphasized their lack of humanity, you know, um, versus like that last scene of the you know, Blade Runner and that, you know, with him crying in the wind, in the rain and that, holding that mm-hmm. dove. And appreciating life and that, you know, as his was coming to an end. Um, so that part was very much a, a departure from the original work. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and the concept of Deckard, you know, it's like Deckard in the novel was a married man and that uh, whose hmm. ultimate goal was to buy, a, buy himself a real animal. This is why he took the, the jobs of hunting down these, uh, the rogue okay. replicants and that. He, he, the only thing he really wanted was to buy a real animal for himself. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that animal aspect because that is a, a major feature of the film. They do talk about um, uh, the you know the, the whole market involved with that, and it comes up. And I I, I always thought that that was more of an environmental uh, statement about the setting, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, that's interesting that that actually did uh, come from the book and, and was was kept. Yeah. Well, I guess for me, I mean, uh, because I didn't read the book, um, um, I. I 
to me, actually, I think the film hasn't aged that well. I, I do feel that it is a, a seminal film. I think it's an important film. But I do think that a lot of people might find it a little slow. Um, mm -hmm. The visuals, the art design, uh, the acting, um, and the very minimalist script, I think are still fairly effective. But mm -hmm. I, I do think that uh, in terms of pacing, which is on purpose, you know, it's, it's meant to be a film that's about sort of exploring this sort of existential sort of ennui about, you know, what is what is life, what is humanity, what is, you know, uh, you know, what, what are people about? That's all there and it's encapsulated by the way it's shot. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think, I don't know that the film has aged as well as some of these other films that we're going to be talking about. Um, but it, it was definitely an impressive movie and to see the scale and the scope uh, and also the sound design too. Mm -hmm. I think that very unique um, soundtrack uh, by uh, Vangelis, I think is his name. Vangelis. Vangelis, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really added another layer to the film. So like the whole film is, well, I mean, it was an art house film um, and I don't know if people realize, but even though it's a cult classic today, the film did extremely poorly. Very poorly. Uh, and, uh, it, in fact, um, uh, it originally had a different uh, edit and had a voiceover that was horrendous because they didn't think audiences would be able to understand it. So they begrudgingly grabbed Harrison Ford, who basically plays a, you know, a kind of a, a noir cyberpunk detective, which is all grumbly. But they had him re-record this monologue that runs for the entire film explaining everything that's happening on screen. And I don't know whether it was because he didn't like it himself or he just didn't care for the script. I don't know. But his voice is so flat. It's, it's the horrendous. story I've always heard in that regarding that is uh, he was so frustrated with the filming and the, the movie. Mm -hmm. He thought he was done with it. And they, they basically dragged him back, kicking and screaming about it. And... <laughs> The story goes that he walked into the recording studio and that, and he told the sound engineers and that you better get this right the first time because I'm not repeating this. <laughs> well, you can hear it, and I don't know if it adds to the film or detracts from the film, but the, but uh, it's kind of funny that uh, that's what people felt would work better <laughs> back then, and uh, and the film, of course, is notorious for having many many uh, versions. Uh, if you are going to watch it, I recommend uh, the uh, final. Yeah, the final cut final cut yeah there's there's at least six or seven cuts maybe more i'm not an aficionado for this film uh so yeah um a very beautiful film uh do you see the final cut if you're going to watch one uh groundbreaking mm -hmm. uh and then uh in 2017 just two years before when the film is set the first film is set we got blade runner 2049 yes. 25 years later uh, not directed uh, by the original director, instead uh, by uh, Denis uh, Villeneuve. Yeah, I believe uh, that's how it pronounces. Denis, De I, I always say Dennis, but it could be Denis. So, yeah. Villeneuve. So apologies. Um, I should know how to pronounce that. but yeah. <laughs> Ridley Scott uh, producing. Producing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, um, again, a not the box office smash that they were hoping no. for. Not, yeah. Uh, they gave them a, a hell of a budget to work with that. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get the return it was. But uh, what we did get was quite a, quite a work of art. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, probably more so than the studio was hoping for. I think they were hoping to turn this into a few sequels and that. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, we had uh, Harrison Ford returning for Rick Deckard and that for the basically the third act of the film, mm. I would say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's very and, Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling. And uh, quite a, it was quite a, quite a great play on what they had done in the original and that, uh, especially with Gosling. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, an, as a replicant doing the job of a Blade Runner and that. Right. Uh, again, surrounded in this world, surrounded by product placement. And yeah. <laughs> I found it hilarious that the products that these corporations built were selling products back to their own products. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> in, the form of the, in the form of the companion joy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I think just to, just to add to something you were saying there, like I, I do think that that is one of the things that succeeds uh, in this sequel that we're talking about, and possibly not in some of the ones that we will be discussing later, is it felt like it was part of that continuity. Like mm-hmm. it was believable that it was actually the same world, except pushed further into the future by, uh, well, by that timeline, 30 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's a bit that's rare I find um, with these types of uh, 20 30 year later sequels uh, they never quite fit so this one I think was impressive for that uh, that reason oh sure. oh sure I think you know kind of what really you know kind of signified that was the return of the Atari logo yeah <laughs> it was great <laughs> that seeing that laugh. but it, it was a visual continuity to it that kind of it showed you like the love that uh, they approached that with, you know, they, the, the, you know, Blade Runner has been a revered film and that, and a lot of people when they heard about the sequel were very worried in that, uh, but fortunately like with the hands that did wind up in, like Denise Villeneuve's, um, you know, we, we got an actual sequel. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually, as we go through the other lists, we're going to keep coming back to some of the things that this movie did right and other movies did wrong because as you, as you pointed out, like, okay, yeah, they have an Atari, uh, logo there which shows continuity but it's it's not like you know fan service you know it's not fan servicey it's like you know it's not it's not a reference that's there to be in your face other than like you know oh yeah if you happen to remember the other film and you see it in the background it's great you know but they don't like you know zoom up and rub your face in it right which yeah. is something that i find a lot of the more amateur sequels that have come out in recent years tend to do because they want to almost legitimize themselves you know mm. and, and this film uh, it had its own, it, it, if, and okay, and this is maybe going to sort of review territory and I don't want to do any spoilers just in case some people haven't seen it, but, but I do feel that the weakest elements of the film are actually all the elements they pulled from the first one. <laughs> this film, I think had a strong enough continuity set in that universe, uh, without any connections from the, with the first film, uh, that it could have stand, stood on its own. And I do hope if they ever do make a film that that continues on with its own new lore that it's added mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, I, I do think that the referencing back to the original film parts were, uh, were a minor drag on the film. Um, yeah. So, but that's, that's just my opinion. Uh, but, but, it, but it's the point I'm trying to make is it stands on its own um, and builds off of the other film instead of being entirely beholden to it, which I think yeah. is a point of failure for a lot of the other films we're talking about. Yeah, it really, like, you know, there was a lot of stuff in there, like uh, the Colony Wars, which is something that, you know, we've, we only kind of, like, were referenced in the film. Yes. Uh, but, like, the, you know, the, the, you know, that they sent out these replicants and that to fight wars. I'm not exactly sure who they were fighting. Mm. Were they fighting themselves out in space for control of territory or that? But, again, you know, that was, uh, you know, something that, you know, was kind of... Um, like an inner story in that that was still kind of carried on into the sequel in that uh 
particularly yeah. with uh, the you know in the opening scene that um, with uh, Dave Bautista's character and that he you know the little combat medic essential yep. that he had in that you know meaning he was one of the you know one of the warriors out there mm-hmm. yeah um, so yeah if they had ever done did like a sequel to the sequel and that you know I would have loved to have seen like a bit more of that kind of uh, backstory explained. Uh, in case anyone has missed it, there were these little tiny uh, prequel vignettes that were released around the time of the film, and uh, they uh, were done at the same time and were intended to be part to be seen ahead of the film. So I do recommend them. I think there's an animated one that's quite long, and then uh, short, yeah, the short filmed ones. Yeah, the animated one is not that long. I think basically 15 minutes, but it is kind of it is very essential actually. If you yes, that, you know, and uh, thankfully they were included on the Blu-ray uh, release of the film. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, by long I meant that. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's a solid, full length story in and of itself. Where the other two are like five minute scenes. Uh, they add a lot, but they are the the other two vignettes are actually quite short. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Um, no, well, yeah. The ven- um, basically the blackout was essential viewing, but uh, along with the, the vignette about uh, how uh, Leander Wallace got the you know had the law banning replicants on earth and that repeals for his own benefit because i think that was important kind of uh story to you know to fill in the audience and that anybody who'd seen the original knew that you know replicants were you know banned on earth and that this was the whole point why they were being hunted down um so that little vignette actually quite added quite a bit afterwards i thought yeah no i I thought so too that they're definitely worth seeing and uh they do they do add to the uh to the universe um you were speaking of like uh the wars that were fought and um I, i'm just trying to find this information now um do you remember the movie uh soldier um yes. <laughs> we so, talked about this before how would that yeah, yeah is, we, we've come is, back <laughs> it's in an expanded universe of blade runner well yeah i mean it's not official i i mean but there's been there's been some some tiny references inserted in that film because i think uh i think the screenwriter for soldier also worked on the screenplay for uh blade runner so he he kind of stuck he kind of stuck references to some of the battles that uh, uh Rutger Hauer mentions <laughs> into the soldier movie because um uh Kurt Russell's character is is not a replicant he's a a human trained soldier uh, and then later, by the end of the movie, he actually fights things that could be considered replicants because they're the artificial soldiers. Yes. But um, but he has tattooed on him uh, various uh, uh, battles, um, and one of them is is uh, <laughs> the one that <laughs> Rutger Hauer references. I just can't remember a Tannhauser Gate or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I, I do remember. Like, was there a reference to Alpha Centauri? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I anyway, I, I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, it's kind of a funny. Uh, kind of a funny insertion um <clears throat> so yes soldier unofficial side quote to to uh, the the blade runner trilogy let's call it now um <laughs> so anyway i don't know if you want to say anything else about blade runner but yeah a, a great a great sequel and it kind of shows what you can do when uh you've grown up watching cinema and loving it and uh and you treat the uh the setting with respect mm-hmm um, not too much more to say about that. Uh, I wish it had been more successful in that, but of course, see, seeing it in the theater, I knew it was would not appeal to a mass audience. It's not, it's not enough action, um, yeah, obviously for people's taste. Not, uh, 
but everything about it was great. Ryan Gosling's performance. I, yeah. I, I can't remember. I don't think I've ever seen him put in a bad performance in a movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he was perfect. He was very, yeah, he was well cast. Everyone in that was well cast. Yeah. Harrison Ford, in my opinion, was the weakest part, but that's just me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, the whole movie was just beautiful. And um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, the director uh, has is trying to do a Dune movie project. So yes. uh, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, that's one of those things where they talk about making Dune like every five years and hmm. nothing comes of it. So uh, I hope he can, he can uh, still pull it together, you know, with whatever you know, clout he still maintains. So yeah, that'll be neat. Okay. Well, uh, moving on to another series, uh, that, uh, had a nice sequel recently, uh, the Mad Max series, uh, directed and, uh, written by George, uh, Miller, uh, who actually, uh, was he, he wasn't, was he a doctor or a paramedic? He, he, he was not a filmmaker, uh, and then he ended up making Mad Max. So it was a weird change in career. But it's funny because you can see in his films a uh, an attention to detail to bodily injury that you wouldn't get. Yes. <laughs> and it comes from that background. It really yeah. does come from his, his understanding of trauma. And um, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, I actually had not seen the original Mad Max uh, for. Uh, many, many years. I was familiar with the second movie that most people are familiar with uh, mm. called The Road Warrior. Uh, but um, but yeah, the original Mad Max, for some reason, I, I don't know whether it just they just didn't bring it over or what, but I just, I missed it for like a decade. Yeah. Um, and I vaguely remember, I think there were ads on TV, either for Pepsi, you know, with Tina Turner and <laughs> Thunderdome. Yeah, that's Thunderdome. In that. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Original, I, I don't know how <laughs> successful the original one was, but it wasn't. It was basically enough that it kind of broke out of Australia and that and hit the hit a world market in that. Yeah. Yes. Especially, yeah. especially enough for that they commissioned a sequel for it. Yeah. You know? It's a very different film from the Road Warrior, though, in that because we're seeing like kind of a not a society that's torn apart by nuclear disaster or that, but more of a society kind of, you know, that's just kind of it, it's it's own infrastructure is, is crumbling in that you know government seems to be on the way out and that police stations are almost kind of like you know these like little, little outposts of like you know of heroism that remain right. in the world yeah uh, cyn cynical heroism i mean not, not everybody was really on board for all that you know no. but uh, but they were still yeah they were still trying to keep it together yeah 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 uh and the rise of gangs and that uh and uh the I guess it's hard to hard to say, but uh, yeah, this kind of a rise of the of a gang culture and that. Uh, what kind of stood out for me though is is the oddity of the world. Is it, it was kind of emphasized, probably by the Australian cast in that because yeah. you know um, they have such a you know at the time they had such a kind of a different kind of take on slang words and you know dialogue than we did in that. So you know, um, yeah, where was I going with this? thought um it reminded me a lot of what made clockwork orange uh, special in that oh, sure yeah when anthony burgess went out of his way to try and create like a new kind of slang for you know yes people, yeah that people couldn't understand well that was something i was going to mention i mean um if if people haven't seen uh, mad max mad max 2 or beyond thunderdome the third film um i it's hard to sort of discuss this uh because I guess really you only need to see Road Warrior because Fury Road uh, that came out in 2015 is 
I guess, closest to that film. But um, beyond Thunderdome, for all of its weirdness, and I think it's generally agreed upon that that's the worst of the four movies, Mm. um, it did introduce that weird speak. Because if you recall, uh, the kids that that he comes across later, they all have their own language. Yeah. And to me, rewatching it now, I feel like the whole, you know, the V8 cult, um, uh, you know, all, all of all of their their speech patterns. Um, this is like an earlier form in Beyond Thunderdome. It's where he started developing that concept, you know, uh, of wasteland, you know, uh, language. So, um, oh, I, I was going to mention an aside. Um, the actor who plays... Uh, I can't remember the character's name now. This is bad. Uh, the friend uh, of Max in the first film. Um, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to call him I think it was, Goose, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think it's Goose in the film. Okay. Um, he actually brought uh, Mel Gibson, I believe, onto the set uh, because Mel Gibson was not an actor. and uh, But, but right. the actor who played Goose was. And... Um, uh, George Miller saw uh, Mel Gibson and he was all beat up because he had been in a bar fight, you know, as you do if you're Mel Gibson. And uh, so Mel Gibson was all destroyed. Right. And uh, he was like, that guy's perfect. You know, I, I want him in the movie, you know, cause he looks so rough, you know? So then uh, it called him back. And then by then he kind of cleaned up and, and looked a lot better. And, you know, he's a handsome young man and it was unrecognizable. And it's like, okay, well, I wanted him back anyway. I guess we'll use him. But I mean, he'd actually wanted the other Mel Gibson, uh, the one that had been, had been in the fight. It's really funny. That's fantastic. Yeah. So he ended up getting this handsome leading man unintentionally. Uh, it worked out, but uh, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of things that they did to, you know, make make a movie easier to watch for audiences um they actually dubbed uh mad max the first film with american actors because they didn't think we'd be able to understand the australian accent so if you look around you might find some very weird copies of the movie where mel gibson's voice is not his voice (laughs) which is hilarious uh but of course now all blu-ray versions it's just going to be the regular version but yeah they they thought you know oh no they're not going to understand the weird slang and the weird accent so we got it we got to help audiences here sure um i'm trying the most recent uh, viewing i had of it was on amc in that uh, a little Mm -hmm. while ago uh I believe it was it must have been the original dub in that because it didn't sound american at all so yeah yeah no i think uh, i think in the last i'd say at least the last decade they've done away with that but it's it, it really was it was really hard to find a non-dubbed version of mad max for many years during the vhs era it was impossible that's pretty ty- um, that was pretty typical back then that yeah. i do remember a very old uh, schwarzenegger movie in that oh, way before the first one yeah. yeah, the first one, like he would play, I believe Hercules. He played, yeah, yeah come to Earth and that, and they dubbed every single line of his in the American accent. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. That I would recommend. I don't think there is a copy of that movie with him speaking with his his actual voice because right. the movie was incredibly cheap. Uh, they wanted him for his body and yes. unintelligible uh, by all standards, like genuinely unintelligible. And uh, yeah, he was going by the name Arnold Strong. I mean, that's so bad so his acting name was arnold strong and i think the movie was called hercules in new york yes and, that's a movie. wow it is a movie that you will forget you know, as soon as you watch it <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah it's something else 
so uh, yeah, so then in 2015, we get Fury Road, uh, a sequel none of us ever expected to see and really didn't know what to expect because I do feel that uh, the first three movies were very much a product of, of their times, you know, with all this focus on, you know, automobiles and gasoline and, you know, sort of inspired by, you know, fuel shortage issues back in the day. Oh, and, and that and the Cold War that was going on yes. going. Yeah. 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 So the whole notion that the world could end any 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 day and, and what would that look like in the outback uh was an interesting question. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah, if nothing else, the first three films established this sort of slow collapse of society and then or I guess maybe even a rebirth of some kind of society in Thunderdome. Um and uh, and the look and the language of all that. And then um and then all these years later, we get Fury Road, which um, I've, I've included in this discussion because some people might say, well, isn't that a reboot? But there's some debate about it because the script for Fury Road had actually been developed um, around the time of Thunderdome. They, they kind of knew what they wanted to do for a follow-up film. Uh, but then due to development hell, it never really happened. And then as time passed, Mel Gibson uh, unfortunately became too old for what uh, George Miller had envisioned. And then when they could finally make the movie, they started looking at other actors. And in the end, Tom Hardy got it. Um, although even Keith Ledger was considered at one point. Imagine that. That far um, back. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've been trying to make the movie for a very long time. Um, but uh, so, the, so the script is actually largely unchanged. Um, it was meant to take place after Thunderdome. Um, but due to the fact that they had a new actor, that it was all these years later, because Thunderdome was shot in 1985. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a full 30 years. Um, so they, uh, they decided, well, let's, let's make it ambiguous. And, and I guess a lot of people write it off as being a reboot because, uh, you see his nightmares of a little girl, which doesn't line up with the original Mad Max because he has a child, but it's a baby. Um, that was a toddler at the time when it, when it, when it passed. Right. So I, I actually did, did looked into this a little bit because people debate this. And um, there is actually a comic book uh, that is connected with George Miller. Uh, so whether you want to consider it canon or not, uh, there is a story in which after Thunderdome, uh, Mad, uh, I mean, uh, Max, who is uh, a bit crazed, uh, kind of wanders off into the desert and, uh, and becomes obsessed with rebuilding his car, uh, the Interceptor. And uh, he's able to find a few parts. And uh, anyway, eventually he encounters, uh, you know, some gang and then uh, also uh, is saved by another woman and her daughter, who is the girl that you see in Fury Road. And uh, so he helps them and they help him. And eventually he's able to win an engine. Um, they are killed, unfortunately. Oh, and, okay. uh, and then he moves on with his wreck of an interceptor. Uh, which is the one you see at the beginning of Fury Road, and then it gets trashed all over again. <laughs> but, but that's the very, very loose continuity. But there is there is a collection of comic books that actually tell the story of Furiosa's truck, which has a whole story behind it. And so there's actually a lot of extra like uh, lore that is, I would say, official because George Miller was involved. So if you like Fury Road, uh, there there is some extra stuff on the side. Okay, that makes sense. And that, yeah, because Furiosa, you can tell there's an entire storyline uh, yeah. there. You know, the missing yeah. arm, the how she rose through the ranks to be like an imperator. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and there was one story just about the truck alone, not even not even just her. <laughs> the truck that she steals has its own story. Um, so it's kind of cool, you know, that they that he actually thought out all these things, and and that kind of brings me back to the point. I mean, I think 
Fury Road is one of these sequels which is successful because, well, it luckily actually has the continuity of being the same director and same writer and same visionary. And he actually thought of all this stuff for all these 30 years since he made the first film. He's been thinking about it, you know, working on it. And so it's, uh, it is a real sequel from that perspective because yeah, it does take place in that world. I mean, it's maybe a revisiting of the world, maybe a different angle, but, but it, it, it feels like Mad Max, you know, at the end of the day, kind of crazy, yeah. like more so than the previous films, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that movie, I, I didn't know what to expect. And yeah, I loved it, man. I, I really, really enjoyed the film. I, I don't know. Oh, what did you think of it? The library, yeah. Um, you know, I had a little rough going in that at the beginning in that because I was a little uh, thrown by the visions in that that they were seeing in that because like sure. Ma- Max was never that crazy in the film. Yeah. In yeah. That. Uh, but I think like once it really got on the road in that when you started seeing those elaborate chase sequences and like you know the you know the worship of, of chrome and and uh, vehicles and that then <laughs> like that's when it really kind of kicked in and that, that you know we were back in you know george miller's original version mm-hmm. of this world um yeah you know uh as far as like you know like bringing back like you know an original visionary and then giving him the, the ability to pursue that vision in another you know this in another movie's 30 years later in that, you know, this was, it was a massive track. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do think a lot of it though, it does have to do with George Miller himself though. I mean, I think he, he very carefully worked and reworked the story over that whole period, you know, so he had the, he had the luxury of time and, uh, and he kept, he kept working at it and, and it shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I think like the luxury of time that he got, uh, you know, was kind of uh, what most people would consider a failed career on that. I believe, like, you know, his last kind of big project was an attempt to try and do the Justice League movie. Oh, yes, yeah. well. <laughs> Ages ago. That, uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't really think of anything right now to say. Well, I'd that. still say he, he was fairly successful because he also did uh, uh, Babe, uh, Babe, Pig in the City, and uh, Happy Feet right. 1 and 2. So... <laughs> As a children's director, he's done okay. <laughs> I always find that really funny when you talk about Mad Max. You have to have to add in the fact that, that he right. directed those kids' movies. That's right. I almost <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> it just goes to show you that he really he really is a a, a good director. You know, yeah. he's not he's not one track. You know, he he can tell a good story if he needs to. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I guess. Uh, we might end up coming back to some aspects of it, but uh, now we move on to um, the next series, which may be a little bit more uh, more grim. <laughs> Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes. 1983 was Raiders of the Lost Ark, followed by Temple of Doom in 84, then The Last Crusade in uh, 89. And I think most people consider it a wonderful trilogy. Um, I definitely think it's they're great blockbuster movies and they're still they've aged very well I think they're still very watchable now they just a great comedic timing uh, great charisma you know mm-hmm. I, I, Harrison Ford obviously cared way more about this character than Han Solo and anybody else he played you know so he, he loved I think he really enjoyed Indiana Jones sure I, I think it showed uh, and uh, and then um, 27 years after the first film we got crystal skull but let's just talk about the original films first right so what are your memories of uh of the trilogy or even just- uh definitely uh 
I saw, did I see the original in the theater? I, mean, I know I saw Temple of Doom in the theater and that I may or may, or not, may, or may not have been way too young to see it in the theater, uh, you know, because that was a much more extreme movie in that uh, than Raiders. Right. Uh, the, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, the whole thing with the, you know, the blood rituals and that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a side note for everybody. Uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, uh, you know, um, were the team that made, uh, the, these films, but they were both going through some uh, serious relationship problems when they were filming Temple of Doom, and I think a little bit of that kind of seeped into the movie. But I just thought I'd just mention that to you. Okay. <laughs> All right, because isn't that where he kind of met Kate Capshaw? Yes. 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 Okay. But his his uh, his relationship, I don't know whether it was a marriage. Uh, one of them was failing, and uh, yeah, there were there were problems. <laughs> so, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I know I, yeah, Temple of Doom, definitely in the theater. And that I think I managed to stay through the whole thing, though, that, despite my age. Uh, and then uh, Last Crusade, obviously. Last Crusade, it was probably, it was the perfect cap to the whole trilogy in that because it would be, begin with a young Indiana Jones played by River Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, rest in peace. Now he was probably one of the most talented actors of his generation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just even that one scene, like he really inspired that concept, you know, right. of young yeah. indie. Yeah, yeah, but it brought, uh, and, but it brought, you know, the whole the whole idea of the film that being a generational movie and that to the forefront, and that um, mm-hmm. you know, it was our kind of last hurrah with India and that you know, on the way, you know, because the Nazis were pretty much on the way out of the series at that yes. point. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, that was, you know, uh, what what. What's funny about that is that that movie wasn't designed as the finale of the trilogy, right? Hey, it's uh, Eric. Hey, Eric. Me here to crap on everything you just said. <laughs> um, I would but, expect uh, nothing less. So when Indiana Jones was first um, thought of by George Lucas and uh, Spielberg, they wanted it to be a serialized film, like not necessarily just in three parts. They wanted to bring one every couple years um, hmm. just because, you know, it's based on B-movies. Yeah. So they just wanted to do that. They wanted it to be the archaeological James Bond. That was what George Lucas called it. Okay. Um, so when they were filming Last Crusade, there wasn't a point where they're like, you know what, maybe we mm. won't come back in three years and do another one. It was right. always meant to keep on going, um, even if it was with a different actor. Yeah, got to get to so, that haunted house movie they were going to do next day. Eh? It, it, well, yeah, there there are there are a lot of different. Uh, <laughs> A lot of Indiana different Jones in the, What was it? Was it Indiana Jones in the Haunted House, or what was it called? Do you know? No, I don't. I don't even remember. But I, do remember, <laughs> I remember that script. There was a thing. That's why when um. Spielberg said when, no. When George did the um the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Right. I was supposed to um encapsulate that. Uh, Episodic. The the nature of those types of films. Yeah. So. I mean. Yeah. My experience of the movies is a little weird because uh, I guess I didn't see them in the theater. Uh, maybe the third one, but not the first two. I missed those. I, two. I saw the third one in theaters as well. Yeah, yeah. Me too. yeah I feel like I saw the third one, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, and and you know, it's I'm so bad. Uh, I didn't even really realize until very fairly recently, and I say you know recently, I mean like maybe the last ten years, that the second film was actually a prequel to Raiders. Uh, I just, I just never really, the dates never really lined up in my head, but it actually does take place before, according yeah. to the timeline <laughs> of Rages yeah. of the Lost Ark. So yeah, I may have blown some people's minds. True fans, maybe not so much, but, uh, 
I think he just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, if you go back. Are you serious, Hawk? You didn't know that? Yeah, I did not know it was actually a prequel. Yeah, because yeah, it takes like 19, was it 30? Okay. Oh, I don't remember anymore. Yeah, because I. Before the events of World War II. It was like, it was like two years before. Um... Yeah. Oh, and the only indication is right in the opening, you know, when they do all the map stuff and the dates and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what? Like, so it just, I, I now you got to watch them in chronological order, you know, where it's like super dark and then he meets Raven and then, um, yeah. So, yeah. And it's funny so because there is, um, there was a, um, an idea that, um, what's her name? Marion's father was going to show up in Last Crusade and stuff like that. Was, oh. The, so the guy at the beginning, the guy with the hat that uh, gave him the hat yes. was supposed to be like in an early draft was supposed to be Marion's father. Right. Yeah. Cool. There it is. That, that's my, that's your trivia. of the. <laughs> oh, this is all about random trivia. I've already thrown a lot of crazy stuff out. So that we, we need you for, for the, for the trivia for Indiana Jones, uh, uh, Eric, actually, I guess on that note, I mean, uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about the trilogy in terms of your experiences, Eric? Like uh, what what the trilogy meant for you and what really like stuck out for you that was like important? I think I never thought of it as a trilogy because mm-hmm. I they always seemed so individual um, as they like sure those all seemed individual. Like if you think of a trilogy like um, the original Star Wars trilogy, right. there's an overarching story. That's true. Um, which is what you know. Like Apparently, an, the like Avatar an, films are going to do too, which doesn't make sense in my brain. No, um, but um, yeah, with Indiana Jones, it did have that episodic feel. So each right. had a beginning and an end, and it just sort of had people that spat spattered throughout. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's true. Now that's a good observation because I mean, with the the two other film series we discussed earlier, uh, which were. It was Blade Runner, and we uh-huh. talked about the Mad Max. And, um, you know, Mad Max, I guess we could talk about that as a trilogy, the first not, thing. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know about it's, that. It's not really, because, like, yeah. when, um, what's his name? <laughs> also, cons- he didn't think there was going to be yeah. a sequel to it, right? It was yeah. so low budget and so, like, down yeah. and dirty that they're just like, oh, here's more money. Make another one. He's like, okay, why yeah. not? Yeah, like, see, oh. I, I don't think there's much of an arc there, you know? Like, it's just this this lone wanderer. And I, I often like to think, actually, I guess since we're just talking about him, we can throw an extra Mad Max points if we want now. Um, I, I like to think of all the films actually being about the same character, but being told from the perspective of, of, of witnesses. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, definitely with the last one the last yeah one, yeah because it, it, it uh, you know with the the final scene in that where they're kind of transferring the story of max and that through the addition yeah. to the children yeah which is my way for explaining the sort of sloppy inconsistencies <laughs> between yeah. the films which may or may not be intentional but i mean it's it, it sort of implied in the second film you know because it's it's the kid right who mm-hmm. he's talking about his recollection and how he never saw him again you know this sort of thing like that voiceover at the beginning and at the end like so there's this notion of, of living witnesses you know to max passing through in the road warrior right. um and definitely That's... in fury road yeah because the road warrior was originally uh only titled Mad Max 2 when it picked up yeah. distribution in the States, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think I think the the, the narrator actually calls him the Road Warrior at the mm-hmm. end just to just as a way of calling of uh, naming him. Anyway, uh so yeah, so I can totally see that, Eric. Yeah, that that's a good point. It's yeah, Indiana Jones isn't really a trilogy. It's it's episodic, kind of like Mad Max, and which mm-hmm. which means the Crystal Skull should have just worked as well because it's just it, another it, yeah. story, you know? It's weird because when they did Crystal Skull, they had gone through so many iterations of that 
that individual script mm. like from when Kazdan did it back in the what mid to late 90s um, sure. forward and like it didn't get better <laughs> each time they rewrote it like the Kazdan script is actually really good um, and it harkens to old like those old films and it, it felt more you know it felt more alive like all the characters seemed more original but I, I guess as those actors got older they had to change it like well, I don't know. Not not based on his script. I think they they still would have worked out. But they wanted to introduce new blood into it. Like they added Shia LaBeouf as his son and stuff like that in case they wanted to, you know, continue the the Jones family saga with with yeah. But naming him Mutt was not a good idea. No. Um, also, Shia LaBeouf also not a good idea. No. Uh, well, we know that now. Everyone yeah. knows that now. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's weird. Like even like when when Steven Spielberg talked about making the old films, he wanted to do everything the original way that B films did it. So every everyone was all the actors were with their stunt doubles, and you know they did everything as practical as they could. And then you go to Crystal Skull, and everything's CG, and you're sitting there like, this is not the right film for that. Yeah, film like if they wanted, yeah, if they wanted to capture the 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 feeling of B movie like B UFO movies, they did it the wrong way because they should have built everything for that and made it look crappy. Then it would have got that B, B alien <laughs> feeling. Yeah, they should have used real film for a start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the earlier uh, series, we were talking about how there was like this very uh, uh, some of the positives about the sequels uh, for Blade Runner and uh, for Fury Road was that they they managed to carry a certain continuity through. And in those cases that, that really added to the substance of the film or the, or the, the feeling of it being like a, a real celebration and, and an addition to the existing uh, body of work. Uh, why, why do you think the crystal skull? And I, I guess we're all in agreement that it didn't really work. Right. I mean, I don't want to be assuming that, but, but, not. Why do you guys think that the film um, didn't work as well? Uh, I mean, you've already stated a few things, but uh, I don't know, Hawk, like what, what didn't work about it as a sequel? Uh, probably the same thing that happened with Lucas and the prequels to Star Wars and that, uh, as you explained earlier and that, I think he was living in the yes, in the yes bubble, you know, where it's, you know, nobody, you know, and with Steven Spielberg and Lucas on project and that, it's like, I don't think there was a lot of dissenting voices among any producers or, you know, film staff and that to tell them like, you know, that you're really on the wrong path or this isn't working. Um, Harrison Ford's age definitely, you know, did not help that uh, to, you know, uh, this was, this is an action movie star. It was, you know, it was what approaching like, who was approaching 70 by the time he was, he was filming these things, you know? I think so, right? Uh, yeah, and basically the uh, the elimination of the Nazis as uh, the foreground enemy uh, in the series and that, uh, the Russians were not a good stand-in for that part. He was 66 when... Yeah. 66, you know? Yeah. So. yeah, you know, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, George Lucas had the story idea and he helped like write it but he didn't write the screenplay he was really just a producer on it mm -hmm. right it was if you want to blame someone you blame steven spielberg for that because it, it was all his ideas oh yeah like you can't like i know i know people like to shit on oh no i i swore um but it's true 
people like the shit on uh on George Lucas and, and everyone's like they're all promoting that he's not part of the new Indiana Jones film but I don't know if that's a good idea like he's a good idea man they just need people to take those ideas and you know shape them like I don't know like that I, I feel like he's he gets a lot of that blame but he was he was there purely just to watch things happen right yeah, I don't have as much of an opinion on, on this one because I don't know the, the, the background of it. And uh, I, I'm not blaming anyone in particular. I just, it's just that there's a lot of suspension of disbelief in all movies. I understand that. But there was just, it was something very sloppy about how everything kind of operates in the film. So not pointing fingers at any one person, like, you know, the script or the directors. I just think, yeah, the movie kind of, it, it well, I mean, it coined the phrase nuke the fridge. I mean, I mean, that's sort of, that kind of sums up the film because there's a lot of <laughs> moments like that. It's not just the fridge scene. I mean, you know, there's Which all is the... funny because that was Steven Spielberg's idea. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I it, 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 but to me, the thing that bothered me the most is, is like some of these just logical, I, I know, I mean, I say things like logic and we're talking about Indiana Jones and people are going to be like, well, that's just dumb, Steve. But, but like, for instance, not to go into a huge thing, but you know, when they're at the, at the actual physical set, like the one scene where they actually had, you know, what, what was it? That was an Aztec. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, a pyramid. And then like uh, a temple guardian jumps out of the wall. Right. Yeah. And, and, and like, it was so distracting for me because I'm just like, so wait, they've, they've got a whole economy and society in which they will actually bury warriors in the wall, in the hopes that, someone will come and wander in every two decades or so. Like what? Like, come I, on I, guys. I like that's those, absurd. All right. I think those were supposed to be reanimated people, but they didn't, it didn't come across as that. Oh geez. Um, no, that was, oh, I didn't get that at all. I just, I honestly thought it was some dude who'd been spent his entire life <laughs> just waiting for there. Indiana Jones to come out and then it, he screwed it, up. Yeah. Like, it's weird because like in each of the previous films, there's this giant, like, rush to um like there's you know that last tomb raiding scene i don't want right. to say tomb raider because right. you think of tomb raider but like that like they didn't really do that in the last film it was just sort of they ran in there's some stuff yeah. that sort of happened and not yeah. really and then like things started spinning around and a ship blew off exactly and and that 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 that's part of it too right like the stakes are not very clear like with all the other films like you said there was this tomb raider tomb raiding element because they're pursuing a very specific relic and the relic had a function but i can tell you right away another problem i had with this film and this just like it's sloppy is okay so you have this alien skull and uh and it's a a, a way to focus uh psychic uh, resonance, right? I, or whatever. Okay. It does something. Okay. So that's, that's the treasure this time, whatever, but how it fits into what's actually going on, because we don't really know the nature of it being an alien skull. Like initially, it's just like this weird crystalline skeletal artifact, right? Well, so by the end of the film, we understand that there were aliens. They landed, they helped the civilization, I guess, technologically in some fashion or mathematically at least. And then they all died for some reason. And then the civilization uh, put them in a tomb and then conquistadors came and stole one of the skulls. And then that ended up being, you know, the, the focal point of the movie. And then when the skull is returned, for some reason, only then 
So keep this in mind. The aliens have been dead for a very long time, and their bodies were sitting in there for a very long time. But they waited, again, just like this temple guardian, for conquistadors to show up to steal one of their heads, and then waited another 200 years until it was returned before the ship activates. Like, what the... What, why? Um, I think you're missing the, the bigger point, is that the aliens became alive again, which was weirder. No, no, no. It's, it's just... It's, it, that that is weird. I'm not saying that's not weirder. I'm just saying from a from a storytelling perspective, it's why does that trigger them coming back to life? Because now they can, you know, they can pilot it. But they have their head. But 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 the head was there. It was there until the Spanish showed up. Like this is what I'm talking about. Like they didn't explain why all this stuff happens in the order that it happens. It just it just happens because they needed for a skull. Maybe to they end just, up. maybe they liked hanging out there. Spaniards came, took off the head. Yeah. Anyway, like, oh, that, that go now. <laughs> that's my point. Is is it's even the main like uh, through line is is problematic. Like it's 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 a sloppy. That's all. I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting because I wonder how many things have changed in that script. Like yeah, from when they were trying to grab actors to be in it because they asked like John Ray Davies to come back. Oh. They asked Sean Connery to come back, and like a bunch of other people. Like how different would that film have been if they? you know, had the original whatever yeah. script it was. Yeah. Um, and I'm, as I'm thinking about it now, and that I, I don't like attacking PC culture and that, but like, you know, I feel like it was a safe choice to go with like the alien artifact and that and rather than try and tackle another kind of religious icon and that. Uh, you know, except yeah. they, they've been trying to do this alien. Yeah, because of the pulp, here. sort of the pulp B movie yeah. origin of the Especially whole scene. Especially in the decade that it was set in, they wanted it, you know, it's post post World War II. You know. mm-hmm. I do think that that, that whole alien concept uh, all, did hurt the film too, because we had kind of gotten accustomed to the other stuff, even though this was what they had always wanted to do. Um, Since 95. It was a little bit weird. It was a little weird for us to see that because it was like a big shift, right? Like yeah. Russians, uh, older indie, and all that that entails. Um, psychics and aliens, uh, all concepts that were, you know, were, were ch- changes, you know, to, to the familiar. So whether that's a good thing or not, you know, I think, I think it kind of made the movie harder to swallow uh, on mm. top of everything else. Yeah, I think it just eliminated a lot of what made the original so great was also kind of a deeply rooted, terrifying aspect of it. That. I mean, like the Ark of the Covenant, you know, being like mm-hmm. a transmitter to God. Sure. Know. and it, it just it, it you know that kind of you know you know that joyful kind of you know childish terrifying aspect yep. was just missing from this I, I, I kind of agree with that I think they, they could have gone that way I think the mystery of the crystal skull is 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 interesting mm-hmm. I think there is something there but I, I I agree with you I think that the the, the sense of dread yeah. uh wasn't present in this one because they were playing too many weird games with some of the characters and it just it, it, it got a little bit too silly and forgot that that um that horror of the mysterious element somewhere that yeah. got a little bit confused you know? which is interesting because they could have with this yep it, it's a skull yeah like, yeah, yeah like it's a mysterious thing as it is yeah um, yeah yeah just as uh a side note the first like the second script uh based on this alien idea alien idea came out in 95 okay so about that for a long time um, which was kind of the height of the alien you know conspiracy sure. uh, well you know x-files um, came out X-Files. around then right, right. yeah the, um 
it, when when they finished the Young Indiana Jones trilogy, it not not trilogy, the Young Indiana Jones Adventures Chronicles. in '92. That's when uh, they started thinking about doing an older Indiana Jones film because sure. that last scene was him playing the saxophone badly. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So you know, there's that idea of um, maybe they can you know move forward past that. Uh, younger Jones of the World War II era. What really sucks is that when he starts talking to the, um, what was the CIA or FBI agents in Crystal oh, Skull, yeah, yeah, yeah. he talks about how he was a spy yeah. in World War II. Like that, yeah, they missed out on that, that hole. Yeah, OSS. Yep. So more interesting than yeah. anything that happened in that film. Yep. No, it's yeah. true. I absolutely agree. Like that was like, that's, that's, that's cool, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, and then. All we got know. was Mutt having a sword uh, fight. <laughs> Oh God. Um, so yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. Yes. Crystal skull, 2008, 27 years after uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981. So good, uh, good, almost three decades since the first one. And then uh, last crusade was in 89. And then Eric just uh, told us that that script had been around since 95. So, you know, a solid was, 13 years called. later. Indiana Jones and the saucer men from Mars. Yes, so I'm that's glad right. That, oh, they were going for it. Yeah, yeah, no, they were totally going for that. And 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 like, yeah, it's not really my cup of tea, but they could have done it. And somehow, you know, it, it got a little bit uh, a little bit weird. Um, and there it is. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I just got like this weird time remaining time thing. We actually might have to. What? Yeah, it's saying we've only got about nine minutes left. So. Yeah, that's weird. Okay. Anyway, we'll cut this part out. Will we? <laughs> well, do we want to do we want to stop and, and start a new session then before we start in a whole new movie? I think that actually might be. Yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. We okay. can always just keep an eye on that time and just stop at a logical. Okay. What 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 else do we have anyway? We got okay, aliens. so the other ones we were going to talk about, and if we run out of time, because now we have around fifty minutes, so we're getting kind of close. Uh, we were going to talk about Terminator uh, and then Aliens, one or the other, doesn't matter. I don't know. What do you would you prefer? <sighs> now the whole thing is framed around how like there was an <laughs> original series way back in the day that was really good, and then there has been a recent sequel that sort of misses the point. <laughs> Yeah, except it's weird because Aliens wasn't like did Alien and Aliens, which sort of brought into a whole different area because James Cameron wanted to do his own thing. Then Alien Three happened, but then they erased Alien Three with all the subsequent yeah like stuff. Like I don't know if you want to. Yeah, complicated. Aliens is messy. Let's do Terminator then. Let's do Terminator because that one's more more obviously stupid. Right. Right. Terminator is also silly and <laughs> yeah, and but I think it's easier to discuss though. Yeah. yeah, actually, actually, Hawk had some things he wanted to say about Salvation, so that, that's perfect. Yeah, I like Salvation. So moving on, uh, we're going to go to a different series, different trek. Uh, we're going to talk about Terminator, uh, which the first movie came out in 1984 uh, by James Cameron, and then uh, and then after that he did uh, Terminator Two in '91, and then. Uh, had he kind of lost control of the uh, the property at that point, Eric? After that, I think so, right? Or was no, he involved he, he with? Had no, he had no interest. In he had it. no interest. Okay. No. So then, uh, Rise of the Machines, Terminator Three came out in two thousand three, so over ten years after the second film. 
And then uh, for some reason, uh, I guess it made enough money because in 2009, just six years later, they did Terminator Salvation uh, with those excellent outtakes of... Uh, of oh, thing yes. uh, Instant meme. Um, and then in 2015, uh, the current rights... I mean, the previous rights holders were trying to launch another trilogy because Salvation actually had meant to start a new trilogy, which didn't happen. So a second attempt at another trilogy was Genesis in 2015, a full 31 years after the original Terminator. And uh, right now we are in the process of Terminator 6 coming out in 2019. Wow. So the Terminator series, what memories and what's the significance of the movie for you, Hawk? Oh, uh, definitely. Well, Termin- the, the, the original Terminator was like a, a VHS, you know, kind of revelation for me in that. Uh, but it was also the height where like pretty much Arnold Schwarzenegger was just god of action movies back in the 80s and the you know, Commando and Predator and all these properties and that. So, you know, I was at that right age where it's like, you know, he was just, he was, he was it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Terminator, you know, uh, I, it was only, it was my brother really turned me on to that film and that, you know, uh, and you know, I was blown away by that movie. The entire concept of it, Max. Um, mm-hmm. I we had talked a little bit earlier about that. The idea of the Cassandra complex. Yes. Yeah. Well, foreknowledge of the future and that without you know the agency to act upon it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that movie explored that idea so well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, with this woman's destined to give birth to this to the guy who's going to lead humans to defeat. You know, the spoilers. The, the technology that has enslaved them. Yes. <laughs> and the technology figuring it, this out and then, you know, sending back a, you know, this a, an unthinking, unfeeling robot to, you know, to terminate her before she can even give birth. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ter- Terminator 2 saw it in the theaters and that, and, you know, you know, could there have been a, a bigger movie at that time? I, sure. I don't, so, no. Because uh, that was pretty much Cameron at that, you know, that kind of, that height of his, you know, kind of cinematic importance at the time. And, uh, you know, you know mm-hmm. he was, he, you know, everything he did was pretty groundbreaking up at that point. In that, you know. Yeah. Well, he was, yeah. he's a solid uh, action movie director. Uh, yeah. he, he knew what he was doing at that point. And, and those were all like, yeah, like they were good blockbusters. Yeah. But he, he also knew how to employ technology and, you know, comp- and the, 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 emerging, the emerging science of computer graphics and film and that, you know, effectively, and that, you know, I know people are kind of divided about the abyss and that, but I always thought that was a good movie. And that. I mean, it did some really amazing stuff, which, you know, I think he carried that technology over in that when he came up with the idea for Terminator 2, uh, you know, and, and, the new, yes. and the new form of the Terminator that came, you know, to uh, you know, wreak havoc on, on the past. Yeah, I think it's true. His special effects, uh, he used the appropriate special effects for what was required of the films and didn't, didn't overstep that, which I think is often the mistake that uh, some films do. They, they rely too much on it or, or they try to do something that the special effects aren't quite right for or they get lazy perhaps because of it. But I think that, yeah, I, I do agree that Cameron was willing to uh, push certain things and, and it, it employed them fairly well. I mean, yeah, the T-1000 is a little stiff by today's standards, but some of those effects still look really good. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, just, just the weird blobbiness of it, and when it's changing from shapes like that, that looks just as good as it would now, honestly. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm it, it. That movie still holds up. Actually, I recently, um, I recently rewatched those movies and uh, and I watched them with the girls, and um, I was really impressed. Like the story was very, uh, was very compelling, um, even for them uh, now, and uh, yeah, they hold up. Like they, 
even though the first film doesn't have that much in the way of special effects, that much even in the way of action, because mm-hmm. it's you know, it's actually a fairly drawn out situation, I think, but it, but it, it does help establish the very realistic situation of, of her just being an average person and being hunted. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of the, the creeping realization as more people with her name end up, you know, dying, you know, in the city and just, you know, just a bad night of criminal investigation kind of catching up with her. Uh, but yeah, the story, it just works the way it's done. And then the second one, like, I don't know that there's been a sequel. Uh, okay, let's, I don't want to say something too grandiose, but it's one of the best sequels to a successful original film. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and uh, you really do need to watch both. I mean, it's really an amazing pair of films. Yeah, it's yeah, one like, of those um, those rare sequels that are, in my opinion, better than the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I saw I I don't know the actor's name, but I saw him on TV earlier today uh, in that in, in Speed and that. But uh, it's a guy who played Miles Dyson. In that. Yes. And I I just kept thinking how great a supporting role that was for him. Yeah. In that movie. Yeah. Uh, man being confronted with the fact that he was he was the one who gave birth to the extinction of of, the, of humankind yeah well <laughs> as they say in the movies he's handling it fairly well I'll think yeah. <laughs> he went and created cyborg from uh, justice league oh that's true that's i forgot right. <laughs> oh didn't learn anything <laughs> he did not <laughs> that breathing technique did not help him well he's like well this technology's not from from the earth's future it's just from an alien planet so that's okay it's contemporary it's from apocalypse but i don't care that's good enough <laughs> uh, maybe we'll yeah. i'm sh- i'm sure that's why they cast them purely from terminator 2 yeah. like, we, we need a dad that's gonna make a, a new, a new <laughs> cyborg find, thing let's I go find... get miles dyson I find with sci-fi and any sort of fantasy film uh, thing, they have such a loyalty to certain actors and characters. Oh, for sure. That, yeah. For sure. <laughs> so I think we are all in agreement that uh, Terminator 2 was, was an amazing sequel and a, and a good film. And, um, and yeah, helped propel uh, the whole uh, Terminator series forward. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we had a series of films that followed uh, that... Uh, may not have succeeded in that regard. <laughs> yeah, they all failed at some level. Yeah, so I guess that's that's kind of bringing us to the point of this whole discussion today, uh, which is, you know, why? And I think, I think Terminator is a great series to discuss because they keep trying, you know, and something's not quite right, you know. So uh, Terminator 3, uh, Rise of the Machines, uh, came out um, a short time later. Um, Eric, uh, I don't know what's your recollection. What's your re- recollection of that film? I remember it being weird that Nick Stoll was uh, playing <laughs> John Connor. Sure, because yeah. um, he felt weird. Yeah. And so did Claire Danes. I remember her feeling odd as his wife or whatever. Yeah, because she had been doing more <clears throat> drama stuff at that point, right? And yeah. Like she was more the indie it girl and that. Well, uh, following like her success on television with my so-called life, that, she became like a, a, an indie darling. Yeah, I guess yeah. I don't know. I just yeah. remember it being garbage. I right. sat there and I was like, "Cool, it's cool that they have a a, a Terminator that's both liquid and metal. That was neat. Um, I like the idea that whatever they did, nothing they would, yeah, nothing they could do would prevent." The, the holocaust that was going to happen yeah i right. thought that was an interesting aspect of the story that they didn't really touch upon mm-hmm. in previous films 
but like the execution of the whole film on a whole was just bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, Hawk. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this? Yeah, film? Can, th- there was something incredibly off about it, and that you know, Schwarzenegger did look. You know, I, I know he got back into shape and in that for the film and that, but again, he was he's approaching. It's that thing with yeah. actors and that. You know, it's like Harrison Ford faced the same challenge and that. Is, you know, actors age and that, whether you know, iconic characters don't. Uh, and if they want to return to it, it's gonna it's gonna seem a little off to audiences and that. So there was that aspect of it. And that um, it really try you know it really wanted to kind of try and top like the Cameron uh, action sequences of two, right? Uh, which may not have been the best approach in that you know because it was you know Jonathan Mostow. I I I wasn't really familiar with any previous work of his and that. So didn't he uh, do a Die Hard? No. He did a he did a submarine movie. I know that. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I gotta one. look this up now. Um, yeah, um, like I said, uh, uh, the only thing I really kind of took away from that you know I like was the ending. You know that you know that that Judgment Day was an inevitability that they couldn't stop. You know, no matter what they tried. Yeah, yeah, he did a U five seven one, which is not even a great submarine. That's the one. It was a submarine movie. Yeah, with Harrison. I hated that movie yeah. so much. Then later <laughs> he did uh, Surrogates in two thousand nine, and then yeah, most recently that one. the Hunter's Prayer, which I'm not familiar with. Yeah, I'm sure um, no one is. Yeah, I think I think you guys have sort of said it all, but I think this is getting going back to the things that we'd said earlier, uh, Hawk, about the successful um, sequels. This film, I think, I think copied too much and then didn't do anything meaningful with what it copied from its previous films, right? So it, it had a liquid Terminator, but then it combined it, you know, which is a neat idea, I agree. Like, I like that it, it was able to smuggle in future weapons, you know. Yeah, itself. that was, a, that was cool. the challenge of the previous ones is they couldn't formulate mecha- working mechanical parts in that. They could imitate and copy anything they touched in that, but, you know, yeah, uh, all the weapons had to come from that century and that. Yeah, so I mean, on the surface, there's a lot of ideas that were not um, poorly thought out, you know, because they had that, and then also like you, you guys said, the ending with it sort of being an inevitability was like a good realization, and even just the fact that the the TX was not even looking for him anymore because he had by this time uh, become so good at hiding. John Connors, I mean, the character that he completely disappeared off the grid. So the TX was only just trying to kill his lieutenants, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was a neat idea too. Um, and then even like the twist at the end, uh, hopefully we're not spoiling this for anybody, but it's not that big a deal. But Claire Danes' father is in the military and, uh, and is connected to a project which ultimately results in um, Skynet. Um, and he purposely sends his daughter to an abandoned uh, nuclear uh, shelter because he already knows it's over. So at that point in the film, you don't realize this. Like you think that he's actually sent them to someplace useful to try to stop what's going to happen. But the father already knows it's, it's like, it's too late. So he yeah. sends to this weird abandoned station, which ends up actually becoming sort of a central communication, you know, network for them to start the, the future rebellion. So, you know, it's funny when we talk about it, there's some good ideas there, but just, I, I guess maybe because it tried to mimic too many things, maybe with the action or he was, Schwarzenegger was too old. I don't know. Like I can't, can't put my finger on it, but yeah, I can't say it's a good movie. It's not. No. Yeah. So it had all the elements didn't work. 
but they kept trying and yeah. that, that eventually led to terminator salvation yes so i want to hear what you had to say about the <laughs> this one because i have very little opinions about that movie but i'm curious <laughs> what you have to say now, well the whole thing kind of just started off odd and that you know it was interesting you know it was a, it was an interesting idea to actually you know go to advance it into the future and that where john connor's kind of established in the resistance and that you know and yet somehow he you know he's not recognized as the leader of the resistance at this point either not um yeah, he was mainly a figurehead right Right, you know, but it, there was a whole there was a whole like network of you know former military and that who had had more you know obviously more experience than him uh, in tactics and that at, at that point you know and so you know it was you know kind of a, a coming of age is the right word for it sure. or that yeah, yeah. Uh, or an origin story of who John Connor you know the leader of the resistance will become mm-hmm. uh, the entire storyline and revolving it around Sam Worthington I, I never really caught oh Sam Worthington. I know. So I don't understand why he got all these movies in that period because he's not that good looking. No. He's, every movie he is yeah, like he the is. most mediocre. He's the most mediocre action hero uh, of that entire era. And he just kept getting movies. I just, I don't get it. I yeah. don't understand. But he jumped on a lot of, you know, like kind of dying franchises or, you know, I don't know. I liked him better than uh, Jai Courtney. That's- exactly. The poor oh, man, course, Sam yeah. Worthington. I always right. compare the two of them because I'm always like, yeah, you know that guy who's not, not quite as good looking as Sam Worthington, but, you know, kind of the same. And it's Jai Courtney. And then he shows up in Terminator. So it's just like, this is where actors go to die now, I guess. I don't know. Pretty anyway, sorry, much. you saying about Salvation. Go on. <laughs> um, uh like I said, it had a lot of potential in that, but for for some reason, it just it never it never fulfilled it, you know. Um, and I and for the life of me, I just can't put my finger on where they went wrong. You know, it should have worked. It did not. Uh, recasting every single character in that, you know, in these films has not aided them in any way. You know, um, yeah, sure. you know, Bale was you know it should have been a good choice in that, but obviously, you know, you know, well, the only thing that came out of that for him was. Uh, Memes. <laughs> memes, 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 and the yeah. fact that he is not a pleasant man to work with. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know, Eric. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts on Salvation. <laughs> I like that movie. Yeah. Okay. I actually liked it quite a bit. Okay. Um, I, I, from for all the aspects that uh, that Hawk said, I like that it was in the future. Um, I like sure. the, um, I like the recasting of uh, Kyle, with um, what's his name from Star Trek. Yeah, Anton Yelchin. Anton Yelchin. I thought he brought a great energy to that role. Um, I'd almost forgot he was in that. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, I thought. Role, but it was I thought everything was really good, like in little bits. I I thought it worked for me. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a good film. I was like, oh, I look forward to this new trilogy. And then <laughs> they didn't do it, and I was like, okay, whatever. Let's mm. do Genesis. Oh, <laughs> Genesis. Well, I mean, I I think. It's kind of funny because uh, before we go to Genesis, um, both Genesis and Salvation had an issue where the trailers gave away too much. Um, and uh, so if you haven't seen Salvation, unfortunately, well, I don't know. I don't actually really need to spoil it. But the, I, I would say without even going into spoilers, I think one of the flaws with the film is uh, they did focus a lot on Sam Worthington's character. And I, I, I liked that framework, but it was, I don't know. Like, I don't hate the film. I, I have very few opinions on Salvation, to be honest. Uh, Genesis, I have more opinions on. But Salvation... It was, it was weird that Sam Worthington was the hero yeah. instead of 
Christian Bale, who was yeah. John Connor. Exactly. Like, it should have been the opposite. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Like the, that's the, the, whole, thing. the whole point of Sam Worthington's character was basically to give John Connor his heart at the end, right? Yeah. 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 He has yeah. the heart of a Terminator. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, no, it, uh, it's kind of funny because I, I think, I don't know. See, that's the thing. They, they take these established characters and they're like, okay, we're going to the future and we're going to show you these characters in their, you know, their earlier forms. But then they didn't really, right? Like you get very little of both of them. And what we see of it is fine. Like I, I, don't, didn't, I, didn't, I, did, I liked Kyle. I liked John Connor. Uh, I liked the world that they showed. Um, and um, I don't know, was there kind of an implication that the timeline had already kind of altered from what John was expecting? Was that, was that an implication or am I imagining that? Maybe I'm imagining it. I think that would have been, been, been an impression concept. from, from yeah. salvation in that. Yeah, I think like, yeah, not. no, that was, uh, yeah, the, that things were progressing along sure. as they were supposed to and that, that the future at this point was, I don't know, fixed or basically, you know, the playing out. The future is what they make. Right, but at this point, the future was kind of fixed, and they were, you know, they were dealing with what was happening around them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, I think to me, I, I, you know, let's not waste too much more time on salvation. But I think, um, I think uh, it had the feeling of a fan film, even though there were some good concepts and good production. I just, I don't know. It just, it just didn't, it just didn't tie up for me. So I don't hate the film, but I just think, yeah, I think the focus of the film was maybe a little off. Right. So, and that leads us to uh, Genesis. Uh, because yeah, Salvation was meant to launch a whole new trilogy set in the future. Oh, actually, I wanted to add a, a minor point. Uh, so at the very end, Sam Worthington's character sacrifices himself so that John Connor can live. Um, I think in an earlier script, he was actually going to replace John Connor uh, secretly. Yeah, he was going to become John. Yeah, they John filmed Connor. that scene. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Did and then, they really? so, <laughs> and then so people got really die. about it. Wow. Yeah, and then <laughs> Sam Worthington would then pretend to be would take up the name and then would lead the resistance from that point on. So <laughs> a twist. That would have been amazing. That would have been interesting. Like if they actually did it. Um, but no, they was out on that. But. Right. Yeah. So uh, Genesis. Uh, yeah. Eric, what do you think about uh, Terminator Genesis? Um, again, it was one of those films that the trailer gave away. The fact that they made John Connor bad in it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then they showed it in the trailer. Yeah. Also horrible. Yeah. I thought the idea of uh, Skynet taking over the world as an OS that um, yeah. was on computers and yeah. phones. I it, thought that was interesting. An app. Yeah. It was an OS. It wasn't an app. It was it was an operating system. Okay. So I thought that was interesting because people, you know. Yeah, they don't think pe- and... people do want a unified operating system. They don't want to do PC and Mac. Um, so the fact that that took over the world, yeah. it's sort of like watching Google take over the world now. There's um, some interesting science fiction ideas there, right? Because yeah. like if, if, the, if the time travel is, is malleable enough that the, the machine logic is able to determine ideal periods of time in which to deploy plans and it just adjusts its own schedule somehow and then it chooses our time. When, when does the movie take place? Was it 2016 or 20? I can't remember um, if it was contemporary. Was there a time jump in it? Yeah, I think there was a slight time jump, but yeah. um, but whenever it chooses, which is close to our time, so that it can take yeah. advantage of the networking and the processing yeah. power. I mean, that that's a really cool science fiction concept, you know. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, it wasn't really yeah. the focus again. I, I thought I thought it was neat that um, they talked about multiple realms, like dimensions that Skynet mm-hmm. had gone through and seen, which Iteration. is what they're sort of they're they're sort of doing that with Terminator Six. They're saying that the the last three films were in a different 
uh, uh, alternate sure. reality. That's good. So that's good. Yeah, they, they pull a Star Trek, so it's like, oh yeah, well, right, you know, right, 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 the universe. Who knows where Discovery is? Um, but uh, mm. <laughs> um, let's save that for another show. The 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 one thing that they did that none of the other films did was give Skynet a personality. Like they personified it, which was really neat to see. They had that whole. Um, do you remember in Resident Evil they had the Alice thing yes. with the mm-hmm. AI? Yeah, they did that with this, but they they made it a doctor. So you know, <laughs> and by that he means the actor Matt Smith yeah. played it, played yeah, the, so. the AI Skynet, which is, uh, yeah, that was a neat idea. I think I think the AI existing in our time encapsulated in a a a body, you know, was sort of a neat concept. You know, it would have provided a a different kind of a villain. Um, I mean, again, like there were some ideas in it. A lot of it was fan service. Uh, heavily so, but they incorporated it. I, I honestly, to me, the reason the movie fails is the leads. Um, Jai Courtney. Jai yeah, Courtney was horrible. Yeah. Poor man, Sam Worthington, Jai Courtney. And then uh, Khaleesi uh, was not uh, convincing as her character. Like, I like her, right. but she, I didn't think she was, she didn't, like, that's the problem. It's a tough act to follow, right? Like, you're, you're trying to be a, a variant on Linda Hamilton and Linda Hamilton kind of broke the mold like right out of the gate, right? I mean, we only have Sigourney Weaver and Linda Hamilton, and then now, uh, uh, sorry, Furiosa. Um, that leads to wrong. Yeah, there's only been a few like really bankable uh, action hero women actresses, and Wonder Woman. I think she didn't I don't know. I just don't think the role was appropriate for her. I'm not knocking her. I just didn't really believe her as um, as uh, the mom. Sure, but it's always like I said. It's always hard stepping into another woman, uh, another person's yeah. role. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. And what they should have done is they like. I mean, she was essentially a different character because her whole timeline was completely different. Um, but uh, but there was no chemistry there either because I mean that's a big part of the very first film, right? There was some chemistry. Yeah, that unexpected love story that comes out of the first film, mm-hmm. you know. Because like, I remember as a kid, I was like, you know, I was so confused. It's like, oh my god, what what's happening? At least yeah. we're in love. But, the chemistry matters, and yeah, there wasn't any. I mean, it, Jack Courtney it's, is... It's not her fault. Jack Courtney is a, is a robot. Right. Yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Not even a good robot, like a T-800. He's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's the poor man Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington was actually a T-whatever, and Jack Courtney is like a, a T-5, you know? Right. T-5. <laughs> <laughs> so brutal. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's, it. that's just it, you know? Like, these sequels... Um, you know, 20 years later, they're still trying. And I, I guess we'll see if the prodigal son returns with James Cameron doing Terminator 6 and how he handles all of this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's I, weird because they have like body doubles for young John Connor and wow. young T-800 and stuff. So they're going to they're gonna map Eddie Furlong's face on another kid. Seems weird. Wow. Um, Stuff like that. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, hey, you, like we were saying before, he was always pushing the technological boundaries, right? Maybe he can pull it off. Except he's not. He's just producing it. So. Oh dear. It, yeah. But it's Tim Miller, so you know, mm. he's good. It could, yeah. it could work. We again, time will tell. Still, the the best thing that ever came out of post like Terminator Two, uh, as far as I'm concerned, was uh, the Terminator Chronicles. Uh, I don't yes, know you guys. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that uh, yeah, it, it actually kind of explored some of this timeline stuff and some of this consciousness of of Skynet laying down the groundwork. It wasn't just 
just chasing singular people to kill. It was actually trying to establish, you know, a, a platform in the past, you know. So, yeah, it was a neat idea, you know, having a, a much more uh, sophisticated situation. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this whole conversation was started because of the Predator and, and I mean, because you guys haven't seen it. But I will say, let's just refer to Aliens versus Predator, for instance. I mean, one of the reasons why those movies don't work is they, they kind of mess with the concept, you know. And I think at least, at least the Terminator movies, I don't know, they've, I don't think they've really screwed with the concept too much. They've kind of messed up John Connor a little bit, but that's going to be an alternate timeline. Um, they've kind of messed up, you know, Linda Hamilton's character now uh, as well, but that's going to be an alternate timeline. So we'll see if they can get back on track. I just, I just wonder, even with James Cameron producing, like, what can they even still possibly do with this story, though? Because, I mean, the second movie was just a rehash of the first film. It was just really awesome, you know. <laughs> but ever, ever since they've actually tried to do new stuff, they haven't been able to really pull it off, you know. I mean, three, four, five, they did actually try new stuff. And it just it doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. So, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I think James Cameron is a, is, is a great filmmaker, but I'm, I don't know what to expect at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Does anyone have any other thoughts on sequels 20, 30 years after the fact or Terminator stuff? I guess the overarching theme in this episode has always been, you know, uh, has been like when a franchise, it kind of gets returned back to its original creator. Mm -hmm. You know, know, the results of it has been very mixed, you know, to say the least. Sure. Well, I also think that sometimes... I don't know. Uh, I don't want to make a generalization, but I think sometimes when there's like a film that really, I don't know, somehow did something new, did something special right at the very beginning and spawns a series. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, yeah, it, 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 it inspires people uh, for decades later, but um, oftentimes that return to the inspiration or, or, or a new level of creativity doesn't quite happen. Like there's too much referencing to the original without like any desire to evolve. And I think that, that that's when you get up with sequels that kind of spin their wheels um, and, and don't really go anywhere. Whereas, you know, like with the example of um, Blade Runner, um, you, can, you can see a film that actually evolved, like a world that actually continued on um, and, and had, was, not, was not totally locked down by the original film. You know, so I think that's that. I think is the main difference. Like you can take the concept, but you've got to you can't you can't just keep reusing the concept. You've got to actually try to expand. And yeah, we put straight. like you know, villain who pushed the concept further in that. You know, everything changed in that uh, in, in in that world. You know, as Earth continued to die in that. You know, the, the need for you know technology and replicants became more prevalent. And mm-hmm. you know, like he he really took off with that. Yeah. Yeah, and then whether whether or not George Miller's Fury Road is actually a sequel or not, I mean, you can see the evolution, you know, f- across the four films of things kind of getting worse and crazier, yeah, <laughs> and more, you know, more their own sort of world, you know, by by Fury Road. So it, it's kind of fun to see that uh, as it continues. And I hope they make another one. I mean, I, I can't wait. It would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Eric. What do you, what do you think? Of all the sequels and their twenty year plus legacies. Yeah, I. It's hard because a lot of people are driven, or a lot of companies are now a lot. All companies are driven by money, so when you get these really mm-hmm. great initial films that weren't meant to be, mm-hmm. you know, expanded upon, 
um, these these companies want that money to come in, so they want yeah. something very similar. But yep. you know, do they allow that growth to happen, or do they stifle it and you know fire James Gunn? Like these mm-hmm. these are. Yeah. No, those are great points. No, I mean, in fact, I mean, the two movies that I think we all agree were great sequels uh, didn't do that well, right? Fury Road and, and, and Blade Runner, where they actually had the freedom and did exactly what you were talking about, Eric, uh, are not that successful. But then didn't neither Fury all these Road make a lot of money? It did okay. It did, Fury Road did okay. It did know? okay, but what, I think... Yeah, for I think what the they whole, actually put into it, yeah. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I think Blade... I thought Blade Runner was better than the original. I thought 2049 yep. expanded that world into more mm-hmm. interesting things than the original. Oh, no, no. I totally agree. Like, I think those two films are, are better sequels, but but in terms of the producer side of things, the Hollywood side of things, they weren't considered major successes, you know, and uh, I don't know that they're ever going to get, you know, more. Meanwhile, they, they keep trying to, trying to, you know, figure out this Terminator thing and this Predator thing and this... I don't know, and it's sad because really? I, I'm sure Hawk talked about this, but Predators from like a couple years ago was a really good movie. Yeah, that one was actually good. Yeah, I agree. But, I agree. But I heard this one was garbage, so I'm not going to go yes. see it. Boom. Well, all I'll say is, if you didn't like them trying to change the concept of the Predator in some of those other movies, like ABP, where they they kind of altered the reasoning behind certain things, or they added a a context that was an unnecessary to the concept of an alien hunter, just being an alien hunter, yeah. then you will not like the predator. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Cause they kind of try to change the reason for things and they don't need oh, to. Like, yeah. Like the not even like, the predator and AVP giving a bro nod to the piece. I, I like the AVP, AVP idea at the end. of alien of predators. I did like the AVP version of predator, like how they, uh, they hunted the blah 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 aliens or whatever species. No, that that doesn't bother me so much. It's it. I I, I don't really want to get into it. <laughs> it's just I I think by all measures the the predator is not a good movie. Even if even if you don't care about how they've messed with the predator concept, the film was was just butchered. I mean, the editing is ridiculous. So just even if you ignore the concepts, the movie is very hard to watch. So. I can just say, don't go see it. So what you're saying is instead of going to go see Predator, or what is it called? Predator? The Predator. The Predator. We should go see Bad Times at El Royale. Sure. Okay. You know what this movie is? I've heard very little about it, but it's supposed to be good, right? The rumors, the, the buzz is... The very, buzz is real? Yeah. Nice. I don't know. I mean, it, it's very stylish looking, but... Yeah, do it. Go see it. Be happy. Okay. Well, <laughs> I put it out to our audience. Are are you going to go see uh, what's it called? The Predator. No, no, not the Predator. The the El Royale. Bad times at El. Bad Royale. times at El Royale. And and what what series that uh, that you loved um, that has had sequels for decades after? Uh, do you still enjoy? Um, yeah. Send us send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. Or you can follow us on Twitter at GeeksWithKidsCN or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GeeksWithKidsPodcast. We also have an Instagram with www.instagram.com slash GeeksWithKids. 
As always, you can find all of our episodes at libsyn.geekswithkids.com or on your favorite podcasting service. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Oh, also iTunes. You know what we should have done? We should have talked about Tron. You know, I was trying to cut time and uh, we, do you want to? No. <laughs> nah, it's okay. We All can right. just say how much the new one is awesome. Good night. You won. Good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, all. I disagree. I don't think it was good. Bye. Shout I love it. Bye. I did like it.